Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this fifth installment in what I think is an incredible series, The Portal Into His Presence. Today in message number five, we're going to be talking about macrocosm, macrocosm. I know this sounds so incredibly boring and sounds like it's not even biblical. It sounds like it's more scientific than it. Maybe it is biblical, but the truth is this is very scientific and it's very biblical. You know, the concept of microcosm and macrocosm is so important because the nature of God is that he never institutes confusion. There are no conflicts or contradictions in anything that God has ever said or ever done. Now, I'm telling you, religion, false science, false history, uh, the whole world system, which, uh, which thrives and does everything it can to to make you not trust and believe who God is. All of those systems show you what appear to be contradictions in the word of God, but there never are. As a matter of fact, there's never even a contradiction in the word of God if properly interpreted based on the original language and science, unless it's false science. And if either one of those groups come together with a bias and with a desire to discredit the other, then they will create conflicts and inconsistencies uh, and make accusations where there are none. But I want you to know something. I've been saying this for about three decades. Uh, science is slowly catching up with the Bible. Now, what we are seeing now in the field of quantum science is the, the phenomenal things that happen in the Bible have scientific explanations. Now, for the longest, we thought that a miracle was when God did something that violated the laws of physics, the laws of nature. But the real truth is, I don't think that can ever happen because that would introduce confusion into what God does. And I've read this scripture to you before, and Romans 1.19, it talks about how that uh, what may be known of God is manifest in them, and somebody in creation, uh, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Now, that's an amazing statement, but one of the interesting things that that kind of statement brings me to realize is that if God violates the laws of nature, if God violates the laws of creation, or if he brings inconsistency into understanding the laws of creation, the problem is he will bring inconsistency in understanding who he is. So if he violates the laws of nature, the laws of physics, and the real truth is we can't look at nature and understand who he really is. So, you know, this, this verse rocked my world about 30 years ago. Uh, I mean, it's always rocked my world, but, but it's been a progressive understanding of what this verse is saying to us about creation, about the natural world, and how it reflects the image and the glory of God. Now, in the, in the concept of microcosm, macrocosm, you know, we have 
as you know, a subatomic world, and it is it is invisible. As a matter of fact, all of the material world that exists, according to the Bible and according to uh, factual science, all of the visible world was basically uh, energy, subatomic energy, subatomic whatever you would want to call it. I call it energies because you know you can't set you can't separate. Uh, energy and matter or, or light and matter, you know, the, the non-tangibles. But the interesting thing is all things that we can see, according to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, came from things that we couldn't see. So the two phases of creation, God first created the, the universe, which I think is what the Bible is referring to when it talks about heavens and earth. He created the universe, and the universe he infused with subatomic energy. And, and the Hebrew language points out that that was something made from nothing. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There is no scientific theory in the world that can support the idea that all by itself, that it was accidental, that it was just a freak thing, that there was nothing, and then nothing exploded, and we had a universe starting to form. That, that, is, that is an impossibility based on all proven science. But God, the creator, created this expanse that we call the heavens that really just existed of that which can't be seen, the energies that cannot be seen. But then when the Bible talks about God creating everything else, it is a different Hebrew word that is not talking about creating something from nothing. And the book of Hebrews uh, tells us very clearly that uh, the things that can be seen uh, were created from the invisible, from things that can't be seen. Now, in order to create something from this invisible into visible, one of the things that has to happen is there has to be harmony. In other words, uh, in the microcosm, at the smallest possibility of anything that exists, the principles of how those things function, the principles of creation, are exactly uh, parallel or harmonious with the principles that create the largest things that exist in our universe. You know, sort of like Newtonian physics uh, and quantum physics. Uh, there seem to be uh, conflicts in Newtonian and quantum physics, but it doesn't. It just it's just that in Newtonian physics you're looking at larger things, whereas in quantum you're looking at the the smallest possible things that we can discern that that we can see. And so so. All of creation uh, really is in harmony with the microcosm and the macrocosm, which said God didn't create this this way and then change all the principles of creation, all the principles of life, and create something over here totally different. All of the created things in the universe actually support one another, give life to one another, are part of a system. That is, that is never in conflict and, and never in confusion. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Well, sadly, there's not peace in all the churches. And sadly, there's not harmony in churches because, you know, when people stop preaching the Bible and stop presenting the, the Word of God based, I mean, start preaching sermons based on something other than the Word of God, then inconsistencies are, uh, are really imposed upon our theology 
and it makes it completely impossible to really understand who God is. You know, because we're looking at nature and we're 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 trying to understand nature based on false science, not based on not based on real science. Uh, you know, we're looking at uh, health and healing uh, from a natural perspective and from a supernatural perspective, and they're out of harmony. And so, all of these things that are out of harmony uh, contribute to the confusion. Now, interestingly, when uh, uh, Adam and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we think of good and evil about more about being right and wrong. And actually, the words good and evil really don't mean right and wrong so much. I'm not saying they don't imply that, but good and evil get more into, is it in harmony with God? Is it in harmony with the creation? Or is it in disharmony with God, disharmony with the creation? You know, right now, uh, there's probably around the world, there's probably more people that die from medical treatment than there are people that are saved from medical treatment. And that doesn't make me critical of every doctor, uh, but it makes me realize that very much of medical treatment is not trying to work with how God created us. It is trying to interfere with how God created us, and it's, it's violating the principle of harmony. Therefore, it's always going to have negative side effects. If we are if we are treating our health in harmony with how we're created, and the truth is not going to be side effects. Uh, but when we, anytime we get out of harmony, out of harmony with how we're trying to solve relationship problems, out of harmony with how we're trying to solve health problems, out of harmony uh, with, with anything that we're doing scientifically. You know, I, I have a, I've worked a, an awful lot on uh, uh, native reservations and with, with, uh, with the uh, indigenous people of America. and. Uh, I've sat around with these guys for decades and, and would listen to them tell me all kinds of very uh, informing and enlightening stories. Now, and there's this story that always sticks out in my mind uh, on a particular reservation. Uh, the, the, uh, I don't remember if it was the EPA, I don't know who came in, some governmental agency came in and, and they were going to change uh, how the uh, how the streams uh, were, were kind of naturally constructed, how the natural flow of things happen. And they promised that if the that if the uh, the North American native would just let them do this, that that they would have an abundance of fish that would begin to come up, up these uh, uh, rivers and streams. So they came in, they moved all the rocks around, they did everything the way they thought it was supposed to be done, and the fish never came back. That happens, that happens every day in our world where agencies of different kind uh, impose things on the world, impose things on our health, impose things uh, uh, into our financial system that are in complete disharmony with God and then it blows up. It goes, you know, then it never, never works. Now they never apologize and never come back and say, hey, you know, you know, we were wrong. No. Uh, they just keep going because they don't want to know the truth. They do not want anything to be in harmony with God because of it. If it's in harmony with God and it works, then it destroys their whole Luciferian agenda to destroy the entire world. God is the God of peace and harmony. And uh, he is not the God of confusion, chaos, and, and contradiction. 
Even the very first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the Aleph, is a picture. Uh, 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 it's a Yud, which is a letter that looks like an apostrophe. It is a Vav, which is the represents man, and uh, and and the Vav also represents like a, it's a picture of a tent peg. And then under the Vav is another Yud. And the concept there is that man's role here on planet Earth is to harmonize heaven and earth. In fact, everything that Jesus ever taught about prayer, nearly nothing that we are taught about prayer, uh, not only is it not what God taught us to do, but uh, it's in much of what we're taught about prayer is what God told us not to do. He told us, don't worry about this. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about what, you know, how you're going to pay your bills. Don't worry about all that. There are other things that are far more important. And if we stay in harmony with God, which is very much connected to that of righteousness, then we walk a path where we find these treasures, if you will, that God has left for us all along this path. So, so it is our job to do everything that we do in planet Earth, in every relationship, in business, in medicine, in, in every area of life, that we are to do it in a way that creates the microcosm, macrocosm, where heaven and earth become one because man is choosing to live life in harmony with God. So one of the things that I, that I discovered decades ago was that every since the microcosm, macrocosm principle works, uh, everything that happens out here in this physical world is, is going to be a reflection of what can happen in, in my heart or how, or how my spiritual life can function and stay in harmony. And, and we have the laws of physics so that we can understand a lot of these things. You know, when Moses built the tabernacle, uh, he built it according to a pattern that God showed him, which was the pattern of the tabernacle in heaven. So he was creating harmony between heaven and earth. He didn't build a tabernacle like he wanted to build. He built a tabernacle like the one he was shown. Interesting thing about the tabernacle is that the tabernacle itself reveals the concept uh, not only of spirit, soul, and body, but it also actually breaks out the other dimensions of the heart and the mind. You know, the Bible tells you to love the Lord, all your God, all your heart, all, uh, all, all your soul, all your mind. So we, don't even, we can't even make a distinction between what the mind and the soul is or the mind and, uh, and other functions because we just decided we know what that means and we're going to ignore the word of God. But as I begin to look along these lines and begin to seek to understand these things, um, and I had been doing what I call heart work uh, at that time for 20 years, 20, 25 years. And uh, I began to see that based on these principles of harmony, based on these principles of microcosm, macrocosm, which is uh, the law of harmony, just expressed a different way, I began to realize that many of the insights about how to bring about incredibly effective and easy transformation um, could happen you know, first and foremost, if I take the word of God and everything that the word of God says about the heart, and then I look and, and then I also look at the ministry of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus, which is the first place you got to go when you're trying to understand something. And then I look at the law of physics and I realize how we influence our heart, how we bring about transformation. Every bit of it is in harmony 
with everything in, in the universe as well as every single word in the Bible. You know, one of the most important concepts in the Bible is the logos. Now, the logos, I do not know why and or how somebody came up with such a horrible uh, definition of logos, but, you know, back in the 70s, uh, the logos was just the written word of God, and then we were told that the rhema was the spoken word of God. Well, the real truth is rhema almost every time is used is when a person is speaking the word of God. And the word logos has little to nothing to do with the written word of God, because the word of law, you know, Jesus was the logos. He was the word made flesh. He was the word come to life right before your very eyes so that you could see it, so that you could understand it. So logos gets more into the integrity behind the word. It gets more into the character of God who spoke the word to start with. Logos gets into a logic, a way of thinking, a way of seeing. Uh, that makes everything that God has ever said and everything God's ever done, it makes it fit together to the microcosm and the macrocosm. And not one word of the Lagos uh, is true if it is not in harmony with every other word of the Lagos. So again, this is one of the most important principles uh, in all of the Word of God. Now, one of the things that we know is that uh, and we have discovered, science has proven this, I touched on this a couple of times already, is the whole idea that all over the natural world, there were what we might call portals or wormholes or something like that. But basically, these were places where people could move from one dimension to another dimension. In other words, uh, you know, when the, uh, when the watchers rebelled, and came and began to have sex with women and create the Nephilim, they came through a portal. And through all of history, people believe that that portal was at Mount Hermon, and that that's where Jesus talked about the gates of hell not being able to prevail against the church. And that's why, that's why he picked that spot. We also now uh, assume, scientific, uh, scientifically, we assume that the real factor uh, behind pyramids was not just that they were a, a tomb, but that they were a portal, and they had to be positioned in very strategic places, and, and, and they were to be a portal where when, when the Pharaoh died or the king died, they could pass over into this, into this other dimension. Now, we know that, uh, that that never happened. We know that when they were dead, they were dead, but what we may be able to understand happened by building the pyramids and the ziggurats all around the world was that these other than earthly beings, some type of heavenly beings that were in rebellion against God could move all over the world instantaneously based on these portals. Now we know, and again, the Bible taught this, uh, share this with you, Mamedes, a 13th century theologian and philosopher, discovered based on the word of God that there were uh, 10 dimensions in our universe. And that when sin came into the world, the there was a fracture and man lost his capability to recognize and to move in six of these dimensions. And then we became limited to, to time and space uh, and, and basically to, to four dimensions, you know, up, you know, up and down, left and right, front and back, uh, and time. That's, that's, that's what we became limited to. Now, in Christ, we can move among, we can move beyond those dimensions. But uh, 
if there is a micro macro concept and not just based on me having a theory of a micro macro concept is based on what the word of God teaches us, then if there were, if there are portals out there in the natural world, then there have to be portals in us somewhere and somehow. Well, for us, our primary, our portal that gives us access to God and to the resources of God is, in fact, the heart. You, you'll remember that uh, uh, Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God, and, and I, believe it's, uh, I believe it's over in the book of Luke. And, and so they wanted to know when the kingdom was going to come. He said, now, the kingdom does not come by outward observation. This is not something you can look at and see. You cannot identify this from the outside at all. And that is one of the, again, that's one of the harmonious concepts of man as a principle that you discover in the word of God. You cannot tell why a person does something. You can't see what's going on inside of a person. You know, uh, for uh, I wrote the prayer organizer back in the '80s, and for years I did I did uh, 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 seminars and and this conferences, you know, about prayer. And uh, there was a quote that I used to use, and it's like, you know what? I tell people the truth is, I can tell you all kinds of stuff about prayer, but you're, you're really not going to learn it. And I can even pray in front of you, and you're not going to see it because. You can see the physical moves I make. You can see if I kneel, if I stand up, if I raise my hands, you know, if I laugh, if I smile or whatever. You can see all these external things, but you can't see what's going on on the inside. So you actually, in a certain sense, never saw anybody pray. You saw people do what, uh, what they did on the outside. Uh, when um, while they were praying, because while they were praying, there was something else going on on the inside. And so we watch what people do, and we copy what people do on the uh, on the outside. But the real truth is, um, we don't really see what's going on on the inside. You know, they're used to in motivational circles. Uh, there were these people that, uh, you know, that would, that would say, if you want to make a million dollars, go find somebody that's made a million dollars and do what they, what, what they've done. And i tell you I, very early on, because I had been involved in, in developing the concept of the heart, uh, uh, all the way back to 1972, you know, I would just, I would go to these meetings sometimes and I would sit down with these people and say, you know, that is not a correct statement because you can do the same thing something does, someone does outwardly, but if the same thing is not happening in your heart, if you don't have the same beliefs driving that behavior, then the real truth is you're not doing what they're doing. How many people have spent a fortune uh, going through all of these seminars and trainings and trying to emulate what people do on the outside, and the real truth is it never works for them because they never had the same beliefs and convictions and, and this sort of thing. Well, Jesus said that the kingdom doesn't come by an outward observation. You can't look at anything on the outside and tell what's going on with somebody on the inside. But he says that the kingdom is within you. Well, I'm going to tell you this. The kingdom of God, and, and let me say this. 
There is a theological misunderstanding about the, the terminology of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. There, the, the modern concept of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is that they really, they're just synonyms. They just mean the same thing. They just said it different. No, that is absolutely not true. You know, the book of Matthew, sometimes it will use the term kingdom of God. Sometimes they use the term kingdom of heaven. And, and if we believe that the Bible is inspired, we can't look at stuff like that and just say, oh, well, yeah, that was kind of an accident. You know, no, this is the inspired word of God. We got to handle it like the word of God. We got to honor it and say, okay, if this is the word that is used in the original language, I need to find out what it really means. And I cannot twist the word of God to fit to my preferences and to fit to my finite concepts of who, of who God is. You know, the word kingdom it comes from our concept of the word basilia and, or basilica, and, and it's the concept of a realm where a king reigns. So you get born again, you can perceive that there is a kingdom of God, but you don't enter that kingdom of God until you surrender to the lordship of Jesus and you determine to let God rule and reign in your life. Now, heaven, if you talk to somebody about, okay, why do you want to go to heaven? I think, well, there ain't going to be no more pain. not going to be more sickness. We're going to be happy. We're not going to cry. We're not going to be sorrow. Not, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, then, okay, then you understand the kingdom of God is the realm where God abides and rules. The kingdom of heaven is a realm where we interact with the resources of the God of the kingdom. And so one is about how we relate to God. Another is how we interact with the resources of God. So, so the kingdom of God is a destination that after we're born again, we gain the capability of perceiving it. It doesn't mean that we enter in. We enter in first by surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. Once we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, we enter into a realm where all of God's resources are available to us, but this has nothing to do with what happens on the outside of us. It's all about what happens on the inside of us. This is why people who, who uh, do what I call kingdom living can be happy when it, when it makes no sense for them to be happy. You know, peace that passes understanding is peace that doesn't make sense. So there is a portal in our heart, and we're going we're gonna to talk some about this portal, uh, and we're going to narrow this down next week or in the next message. But in this portal, this is where we pass from this realm. And I'm telling you, as someone who has done hard work for, for nearly 50 years, I just want you to know something. It is a realm that you enter into where you are unaffected by what's going on outside of you. It is a realm that you enter into that, that brings joy and peace and all of these things in ways that don't even make sense. It is a realm that you enter into where you connect with and experience all the resources of God. And it gives you, it gives you a strength. It gives you encouragement. It gives you joy unspeakable. And, and then when you step back into this world, by the way, let me tell you something really interesting too. One of the coolest things I realize about when, when I'm doing hard work is that when I step into that realm, I lose all concept of time and space. And, you know, I, I can abide there for hours and it feels like minutes as opposed to when we try to pray for minutes and it feels like hours. Well, listen, I just want you to I, I just want you to know I've got a great audio series that will take you deeper into all of this stuff uh, this month. All of our products are available. All of our heart physics products are available. If you want to learn how to pass through this portal that the Bible calls the heart, 
then you enter in and I'm going to tell you something, you're going to experience something phenomenally beyond what you have ever experienced in this life. Be sure and go to impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Check out all the free resources we got. God bless you. I will be talking to you in this next message. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.